Reese Show from Southern California. This is the Ryan Reese Show. Post your questions using at Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Are you ready? All right, it's going down tonight. I got Max Ivy in studio. So you guys all know that I took off on tour to, to Taft, California. If you don't know where that's at, is it considered uh, Central California? Yeah. Yeah, Central California. It's like about an hour west of Santa Bakersfield. And it's this uh, little town. And what's interesting is when I was up there, my aunt was posting up on my social media saying, that my great-grandfather, Leroy Kopp, was actually a pastor up there at a Foursquare church many, many years ago. So with all that said, it was uh, really cool going up there, meeting so many cool people. And uh, I got to meet Max. He was up there. He's the pastor that actually brought us in to, uh, to come do an event. It was interesting because we got booked by a church called First Baptist. <laughs> and we were like, what? Yeah. First Baptist? I've spoken to Baptist churches before, but I was like, all right, that's cool, that's cool. But yet there was so much more to that story. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about the First Baptist and the connection to all that. But needless to say, um, we went up there, we did a skate park tour, and uh, we just saw all kinds of people come out, and many people got saved. We took Sonny, the lead singer from POD, also the co-founder of the Whosoever's, uh, Christina, we had Tom in studio. A lot of you guys that have seen our film on our website. Um, actually, no, they're not in that first film. They're in the next film that's coming out uh, soon. So I guess, um, those, but you've seen, if you've been following our social media, you'd see them. There's some of our ambassadors that are on social media that go out to the schools and the skate parks and bring the gospel. But a lot of cool stories uh, that came from that trip. But um, we'll probably even get into some of that stuff towards the end of the show. I'm going to give out the number. 888-564-6173. We're going to be taking some uh, questions possibly a little bit later. If you hear anything that's said from the show tonight and you want to talk to uh, um, Max a little bit more in depth, you can call this number, 888-564-6173. We're going to keep the phone line open. But Max, what's up, man? You showed up with your squad. When I rolled up to the studio, I seen this whole crew out in front of the 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 screw the crew. How are they all related to you? What do they do? Oh, man, so these guys, uh, they just rolled down with me tonight. They've been nothing but a huge support for me since, I, since I've been down here. I've only been in Taft for four months, and I was coming from, like, a well-established place where I know people for years. Yeah. You know, we've been serving in ministry, large church, uh, Calvary Chapel, Joshua Springs, CBI. Mm-hmm. A little shout-out for you guys over there. Yep. And so when I left Yucca Valley Joshua Tree, I was leaving my entire sports system. You know, because, like, I'm a broken person yeah. that has issues. Mm-hmm. And so being able to come alongside these guys and just be completely transparent with them, like, hey, I need help. I need people that will keep me accountable. I need people just to walk with me in this life. And that's really who these guys are, man. And it just so happens, like, you know, Anthony Luna, man, tearing it up in line skater pro. Yep. And uh, my friend Joe got family, kids, same amount of kids as me. And, you know, that's where I spent Thanksgiving at. Heck and yeah. He's also happens to be our super fantastic tech guy that uh I think he's coveting some of these cameras he got in here right now. But I saw him lusting actually. <laughs> when he walked in, I said, Thou shalt not lust. Yeah. Uh no, he was checking out the cameras over here. Yeah. So this is uh this is the setup right here. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Um, well thanks, dude, for coming in. Yeah, praise God. And you know, when we were hanging out up there, you know, when you're on tour, it's so 
so many things going on. You obviously brought us in. We had a big squad. I think we rolled deep that trip. Plus, we had all your all your friends and your uh, people that go to your church, and plus all the kids and everyone that were there. There was just a lot of stuff going on. So we didn't get a chance to really sit down and and talk in depth of what you know what God did in your life. But I did hear some some little snippets of your story when we were at the Mexican restaurant, and uh, I don't even know some of the other places. And originally, right when you started first talking about that story about you, you know. Kind of give me a little snippet of your life. I was like, all right, I'm going to bring him into the radio show. Yeah. So I just figured, you know, we do it. And you committed to come down immediately the next week. And so here we are. Yeah. So this I mean, is what? sick, dude. Thanks a lot. We got to keep that fire burning, man. You know, know. That's, what I'm, that's what I'm preaching in Taft. It's like, hey, you know, we got a spark going. And the only way to keep a fire going is to, to feed it. Yep. And as soon as you said, hey, will you come down? It was like, you know, I shot a, a text over to Lucas. And he yep. was like, bro. And got me on today, so here we are. Dude, I'm pumped, man. I had no guests uh, set up anyway, so that's perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, look, dude, let's get into it, man, because right now with everything with the uh, pandemic, I like to call it, um, with everything with the virus and the shutdowns, Los Angeles is on shutdown again for three three weeks. Stay at home. Stay safe. Right. Don't go to the gym. Don't take your vitamins. Don't be healthy. Stay away from people. Wear a mask to cover your face and hide and be, be very fearful. Yeah. That's that's good for you, right? Right. Yeah. So anyway, um, with all that said, some people actually believe in that stuff. And um, with all that said, people need to be encouraged. People are dealing with fear. And you know what? More importantly, too, is that there's a lot of people that their life is in chaos right now. Yeah. And destroyed from decisions. And a lot, there could be people that feel like, you know, last week I was talking about um, the show was the theme was like, does God love me? Because sometimes you go through so many times. Remember, I was telling you a little bit, some stuff I was going through earlier. You know, the, the show I was talking about last week was called Does God Love Me? And I felt at one point like, I don't know if God loves me because of all the crazy stuff that I'm going through. And there are people that have put themselves in these situations or they're going through the situation right now. And maybe they feel like their life can never change. And your story is the poster child for a life that can be changed. So where'd you grow up anyway? So I started over in Palmdale, Lancaster. Mm-hmm. That's like, you know, well, I was born in, in Aurora, Colorado. My dad was a, and this is part of my, my story, man. He's a hardcore iron worker. Yep. And so if you know anything about iron workers, they're kind of like the rock stars of the trades. You know, they're, they're the guys that are doing the crazy stuff. And so like growing up, I'd be around all my dad's buddies. But the one characteristic that I noticed about my dad is that he was the crazy one. And so he's on this huge job in Aurora, Colorado, you know, working on a power plant that gets shut down. They move out here to come to work in L.A., but we lived in Palmdale. And so that's where I grew up, like through the riots, you know, Northridge quake mm-hmm. went mm-hmm. on. And then uh, I was just at a little elementary school there and it wasn't too bad. Gangs and stuff started coming in when I was young. And, um, you know, it was interesting for me that all of my friends when I was little, you didn't really see as much race divide then. Yeah. You know, I mean, the riots were happening, but we understand why that was happening. We don't see, then we didn't see the same things we're seeing today. And so my best friends, they were all, you know, African-American black people. Yeah. And that's just how it was. Yeah. And so that's what I grew up with. Um, I was always like super popular, mm-hmm. but not to myself. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I, I did not think highly of myself. Gotcha. I didn't like being places. I didn't like being on the track team in third place at this 
you know, track event and everybody looking at me and saying, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. Because, like, inside, even fourth, fifth grade, like, I'm screwed up. Yeah. My heart's, like, broken, and I don't even know why. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my parents, you know, they're good parents, and they're still together today. But they were living a hardcore life, dude. Yeah, yeah. Like, stuff that I found out later, like, okay, I could probably see where I got some of those issues. Yep. You know, and it's not their fault. We're just living a life apart from God. Right. And so not knowing Jesus, I didn't have that hope, which is the anchor for our soul. I didn't have a direction. I didn't have a compass. I was I was learning things from the magazines I found in the desert or from the the older kids at school or the older kids in the neighborhood that are like, hey, you heard about this? And it's like, no, what is it? Now, next thing you know. Well, I want to I jump in there really quick. What's just interesting is so funny that today, I, it's not even really funny, but today when you talk to a lot of these kids or just people on the street, um, they have no knowledge of, of who Jesus is. They yeah. could be wearing a cross and they don't even know. They're like, I'm like, do you know what that stands for? Yeah, yeah. yeah so-and-so, he's, he's a rapper. He wears a, the cross. They don't even know the cross piece. They don't even know that Jesus died on the cross. They don't have no idea of what it is. And then how you grew up looking at magazines and talking to the older kids. Now you got six, seven, eight-year-olds and up. They're just looking at social media, just just thumbing through it, flipping through it, page after page after page, learning basically how to sin. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and in a fantastic way. Yeah. Not only are they learning how to do those things, but... These devices and the the internet and the TV, mm-hmm. it all makes it look super good. Oh, yeah. And next thing you know, it's cool to be like that, and it's a must. And, I mean, even for me, when I was younger, because I did look up to the older kids in the neighborhood, and it was like, hey, yeah, I want to be like that. Yep. You know, I, I want to get involved. I want to bring a knife to school and, you know, yeah. all that kinds of stuff. And that's where I was at in Palmdale, California, until – uh Big old earthquake rolled through, man. And my dad was like, he was done. You know, he had he had gotten injured and he wasn't working iron no more. And so we didn't have really a reason to stay. But we'd always travel. They would always travel to Vegas. And they'd go the back way. And so there's this little tiny town right outside of Las Vegas called Pahrump. 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 I know that place. Yeah, you've been there. I have. And that's part of... How I know about you guys. Oh, so you, man, you knew but when we first went there with Sunny and Head and, and all them. Yeah. No way. Yeah. I, I didn't get That's an opportunity. I didn't get the opportunity to go, yeah. but I remember the buzz and the news about, like, hey, these guys, That's you know, from Corn, because that's when, like, Corn was big. Yeah. Uh, like, massive. I'm listening yeah. to him on the radio. Well, L- Lacey at that time, Lacey Sturm, um, the lead singer of Flyleaf, they were selling millions of albums. Yeah. They were like the, the biggest that they ever were at that yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, there we are, man. We That's moved crazy. We moved to Pahrump, Nevada. And now I'm a brand new kid. I'm already like freaked out on the inside. I was a scared kid. How old were you at that point? I was 11 years old, 12, 11, 12. Uh-huh. And um, one of the things that always happened to me, I was always real nervous and real scared, but nobody ever knew. You know, like I learned how to not look scared. And I learned how to not look nervous and like I could transform it into whatever I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And it came off in this weird like exterior, whatever, you know. Yep. And so I was the quiet kid in a new spot. And at this point in time, like in the United States, Pahrump, Nevada, like carried the the stigma 
of being the methamphetamine capital of the world, hmm. you know, for a little, for a small period of time. Dang. And so it was not uncommon, you know, for everybody to be tweaked out. Wow. You know, running around casinos and drinking. And so now here's my hardcore dad, you know, m- making new friends. And yeah, they're, they're like some heavy dudes. Right, right. You know, but my dad, he's a heavy dude too. And so that was just, that's all, it was just normal. Right. And then I start making friends, you know, I'm on the basketball team. I'm doing everything. I'm doing really well. And, uh, I just started living. I start, I hit, you know, high school, ninth, 10th grade. And I can remember when it, when everything flipped for me, I, cause I ponder these things, like what happened, you know, what happened in your life? How did you get to that point? And, uh, I remember, man, about ninth grade, 10th grade summer, I was super quiet trying to figure out who I was and summer rolled around, man. And I copped some weed from this dude, made a little pipe out of a a soda can and me and two dudes rolled out to the desert, got high. That was it. And that was it. That was the beginning of the end. That was the beginning of the end. And so now, now I'm smoking weed. Mm -hmm. And so naturally it's like, well, I can't really afford it, so I got to get a job, mm-hmm. get a job. And it's crazy how trouble, I mean, it's it's not crazy now because we realize that w- there is an enemy of our souls. Yep. Like we are fighting a spiritual battle that's trying to discourage the hearts of men, that's trying to cause people not to have hope, that's trying to cause young people to fall into sin. We know that now. But then I just thought I was like super cool, lucky dude. You know, we order pizza one night, and it happens to be this guy, and he's like, yo, dude, I know you. And I'm like, yeah, big old tattoo guy, you know? I'm like, who is this guy? And he's like, yo, come to my house tomorrow at 1030. And I'm like, okay, you know? And so I'm looking at the people I'm with, and I'm like, they're like, don't go to that dude's house. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know who that dude is. So I got a little squad together, you know? Uh-huh. And we ditch class, and I'm like, yo, I'm going over there, and it's this super sketchy, like, trailer park. No. Yeah, for real. And so I, I tell the dudes in the car, and I'm like, it's like one of those movies. You know, I uh-huh. watch too many movies uh-huh. when you're a kid. And you're like, if I'm not, if I'm, I'm back not, ba- yeah, call the kick co- the door in. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it wasn't called, call, it was yeah. kick the door in. Yeah. And so um, that's for sure what happened, man. And I'll, I'll never forget, I walked into that dude's house, and he's like, what's up? You go to school? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, apparently uh, you manned up enough to ditch class. And I'm like, yeah, what's, I mean, you asked me to come, so what's up? You know, but inside I'm like freaked out. Yeah, dude. I'm like yeah. trying not to uh-huh, shake, you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And um, dude, he just busted out the suitcases, and he handed me the keys, man, and said, "What can you get rid of?" And it was like that and that. And he's like, "You want any of this?" I'm like, "I never even tried that." Like, sure, you know. And that's pretty much what happened. Crazy. And you know, by this time I'm uh I'm a sophomore, junior, like right in there. And that's, that's what happened. And we started a little click back then. And you know how it is in high school, you're rolling with your boys and we had this, the scene in the spot and it just progressed into a downward spiral. Mm -hmm. I went from good grades, you know, ninth grade, I was voted most likely to succeed. And then by senior year, I'm barely passing to graduate. Wow. Uh, But dude, as far as the party scene goes, I was the guy like, yeah, no, totally. you know, in it's my flips. little, yep. yeah. In my little flips. world, in my realm, 
we had it going on. We had what we wanted and, and we didn't hang out with these people or those people, but we had what we wanted and we did what we wanted to do. And, uh, by 18, I had my first DUI. Yeah. You know, I spend, I spend the night in County and I come back to high school and they're like, dude, where were you? I was like, I was locked up. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so funny. These stories sound so similar. Yeah. Yep. And so totally. that's, that's what happened. And, uh, so where, where was it? So here you are, you're obviously, you're doing, you're, you're basically running, you're like, you're moving drugs, you're having a good time, you got the scene, you think you're on top of the world for yeah. an 18-year-old, Yeah. got locked up, you got a little bit of weight happening in your life, um, and then what, what was the, like, what, after you graduated school, what was the next, what was the next hoorah? Oh my gosh, man, well, we, uh, where, where do you go from there? We got in some big trouble, like, big trouble Mm -hmm. with guns and stuff and so my dad was like you gotta go and so he told me get out of town and he shipped me off to missouri and when i went to missouri i only made it they kicked me out of missouri because all the trouble that i got in and they were like look either you're going to jail or just leave and pay these fines and leave Hmm. and so i said okay i'll leave and it was it was that transition because i started smoking crack in missouri got it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. And so now it's like everything's wide open. And I come back to Pahrump, Nevada, and uh, fell right back into the meth scene. And we we met some people that were pretty, like, legitimate drug dealers. And we just, instead of marijuana, now it's methamphetamines. And I'm just wasting my life away. And uh, I'm falling into this deeper, deeper pit of despair. And like, do, do the do the bigger drug dealers are they using meth too? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, in Pahrump, it's it's you know it's that whole scene with the whole meth thing. It's so yeah. bizarre because yeah. like people aren't sleeping and the chemical and you're out of your mind when you're on that stuff. Oh yeah, dude, you're right? seeing demons and like yeah, 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 yeah. I've 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 experimented with that stuff, but I just trip out on like how these guys that are big drug dealers, how you can run the operation being like yeah that whacked out on that stuff. I mean that stuff makes you paranoid, all kinds of stuff. Oh yeah insane yeah okay so here you are you're whacked out you're moving guns at this point or yeah yeah it was big when um guns into juarez and stuff were like yeah the guns at the border were really jumping off and so we were messing around with stuff like that and uh man i i had a job i was putting up cell phone towers in vegas Mm -hmm. and we had this house we were going to turn into a grow house and like all kinds of crazy stuff and um man i got paid one night and it was like I cashed my check at a casino and dude, I lost all of it, lost all of it that night. So we're supposed to have this party. We're supposed to re up, we're supposed to do all this stuff and pay rent, you know, and I get back and the dude's like, yo, what's up, man? Like you ready? And I'm like, uh, not really. You know, and I lied. I'm like, I didn't get paid. And he's like, what do you mean you didn't get paid? Blah, blah, blah. And we went through this whole thing and I'm like, look, I ain't got no money. So like, we're just, we're messed up. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, what are we going to do? And I'm like, well, I know some people. So let's let's go cruise around. And so we're cruising and everything falls flat. You know, my everything falls flat. And we're in the car and we got this uh we got a Ruger P90 445 mm-hmm. in the glove compartment. And he comes up with this great idea like let's rob a gas station. And I'm like, how much money are you trying to get at this point? Didn't even think about it. <laughs> think about it. Uh, I mean, if we were thinking about it, I could have sold the gun for more money than what I got from the robbery, uh, yeah, you know? Yeah. But it wasn't even about that because it was his idea. Yeah. It was like, dude, I ain't doing it. Yeah. 
Like, it's your idea. You want to do it? You do it. Right. You know, and then we, we get into this banter, and, and then names start being called, and I'm like, look, man, well, I, I ain't worried about none of that. Like, it was my idea. I'd do it. And he's like, blah, blah, blah. And so one thing led to another, and I was like, you know what? You want to see something? Let's take me back to the house real quick. And so I went back to the house, got geared up, and I went back out. And one thing led to another, dude, and, yeah, I committed armed robbery mm-hmm. right there. I made it back to the house. I was going to rob another store, but, like, by God's grace, some yeah. people walked in, and, like, even his hand was on me at that time, or else it would have been, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. Yeah. And so, uh, man, we got back home, and I lasted about, like, three hours. You know, we got the beer, we got the, the dope on the way, got the people in the house, and then there's the loud knock. You know what knock I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. The strong knock. Yeah. And it was like, oh, dang. And so, yeah, I opened the door up, dude, and it was like cops were coming out of the dirt, man. And that's I I got locked up that night. And what, how old are you at this point? I was 23 years old. 23, right yeah. there at that age. 23 yeah. years old. And so uh, I did 10 days in Nye County Jail, and they released me on no charges filed. But I knew charges were coming. Mm-hmm. And so they, they end up hitting me later on, come back in October, you know, you're facing armed robbery, carries, carries 4 to 30. And from, like, that January until October, I'm not even, like, really going to talk about the things that happened, you know? So, so when you get hit with a case like that, 4 to 30, dude, that must, that feeling yeah, must just be so, so heavy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was. It's just. The heaviness around you just like just you could you know that Satan is just messing with your mind yeah. and just haunting you with that yeah all just over you every day every night just torturing you constantly yeah and it was just drowned out with more drugs more alcohol yep, yep. more everything yeah. that comes with that lifestyle yep and you know I'm contemplating suicide mm-hmm. I'm contemplating like leaving the country mm-hmm. yeah all this stuff yep and no peace. No, no, no rest, anxiety, stress, yeah, confusion. There was there was suicide. no coronavirus, but I was like I was locked down, yeah. man, in my mind. Yeah. I was freaked totally. out about everything happening. I had nowhere to turn. I had no one to look to. Everybody that I had around me was high. You know, I burnt every bridge with my parents, yep. and so that's the only real love that I had known, mm-hmm. and I had nothing else. And so, you know, I ended up I ended up turning myself in. I got locked up, and now I'm facing. A prison term, but they gave me a clause, and they they were going to hand me a deferred sentence, is what it's called. And they said if you go if you go to this uh, prison boot camp, and you don't get in any trouble, and you graduate, then we'll we'll bring you back in, and then we'll readjust your sentence. And so it's like okay, cool, I could try that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I get in, they're like, what they did that? It's like an eighty five percent fail rate. Really? Yeah. And so it's like, I got a 15% chance of making it, and I'm already a kid with a bad attitude, and I'm pissed off all the time. Yeah. Like, you know, and it, I'm in jail, man. You got to fight if somebody says, like, one word. Yeah. And so it's like, yep. I know, once again, I even though they try to give me this deferred sense, I still have no hope. And so I'm just locked up for this for this time, and then I have to travel to Carson City, go to the fish tank, get checked in. I went straight to ADSEG, which is administrative segregation, in Carson City for some stuff. And so it's like, oh, I'm doing great. You know, I'm really going to make it yeah. out of here. And But that is where 
hope came into my life. Mm, how was that? Man, so uh, ever since I was a kid, I loved to read. And that's the one thing that I always had going for me is that I like to read books. And one thing about being in the prison system, uh, especially in the fish tank, is, you know, it's 23 and a half hour lockdown. You got to get dressed up to come out of your room. 23 hour lockdown, like yeah. in your cell. In your cell, which is like generally a little bigger than probably the bathroom at your house. That's insane. With another dude. That's insane. You know, the toilet faces the bunk and the bunks face the toilet. Yep. Um, everybody looks out their window, you know, to the showers, which are all wide open, yep. and which is the same spot where you pick up your food tray. You know, and so crazy. I'd have to get dressed in my prison blues and I'd have to walk down the tier, get my tray and walk back up. But on the way, I'd see these little cellophane packages and I could tell, hey, there's a book in there and there's like it looks like a notebook. And so I'm like, oh, man, what's up? So I hit my neighbor up, my my next door neighbor on the tier. And I'm like, yo, Doug, what's that? Like, what's that package? And he's like, oh, yo, you got to write the the chaplain for that. And I'm like, chaplain. Chaplain. What is a chaplain? Is that Catholic stuff? Or like, (laughs) I don't have a clue what a chaplain is. All I know is I get a piece of paper and I write chaplain on it. And I'm like, hey, I want a book. (laughs) You know? And so it took like, it took three days for my kite to go out. And then, you know, it's like Christmas. I wake up and, oh man. Hey, cool. I got a package. And I open it up. And yeah, sure enough, you know, there's a notebook in there. There's a, a pamphlet on the doctrine of the Trinity and one pamphlet on the work of the Holy Spirit Yeah, and a Bible. So what was your thought at that point? <laughs> I was like, well, it did something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My heart recognized. Really? Yeah. And, and things started to flood back to my memory. Like when I was a kid, I had this crazy color picture book and it had stories of like this guy named David that could like use a slingshot. You know, yep. or like this guy that would heal blind people, you know, mm-hmm. or um, this really strong guy that and I can still remember to this day, the pictures, this really strong guy pressing on these pillars, you know, yep, and like some some stones coming down. Now, who put that in your room? Was that from your parents or some a gift from someone else? You don't know. It just ended I have up no idea life. how I got it wasn't that. your parents. They weren't religious. No, no. Never been to church. Uh, we were not even go to church on Easter so or Christmas. I used someone just to plant it in your life. Yeah. To give you those those images. Yeah, for sure. And so that's what happened. I got uh, that all flooded in, and I started in Genesis, and I read, and I met this guy called the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, and I found out that he's, like, jealous, and he's a man of war, and that he loves his people, and, dude, he sets up kings, and he brings down nations, and people are dying, and it's some of the bloodiest things I'd ever heard or read or seen. And my heart and mind were tripped out. And then I hit Psalm 40. And Psalm 40 said, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined unto me. And he has heard my cry. And he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock. And he's established my goings. He's put a new song in my mouth. And many will see it. And they will put their trust in him. And I said yes and amen. Wow, so that must have been, that's the time when God just revealed himself to you. Yeah. And uh, now how was that, how were you feeling at that point? Like what, what was the moment in your cell when you decided to just give your life to him? I, all I knew is that. Reg- you're reading at that point. Yeah. 
But did it all connect at that point? I mean, where did you start reading that? Did you started Genesis at the beginning. Yeah. Most people, yeah. Yeah. So you just started going through Genesis. Yeah. Right at the beginning. Yeah. That's a trip. And I hit Psalm 40. And that's okay. And everything changed. And nothing changed, but everything changed in my heart and in my mind. I knew that I was loved. And I knew that even though I was in the most hopeless place I had ever been in my life, yep. it was going to be okay, even if it didn't turn out how I thought it would. Right. And that's what I knew. And then fast forward a little bit, I go to classification. They got my name wrong. They got my age wrong and my charge wrong. So I'm sitting for months. I get sent back down to Pahrump. I go in front of this judge, and this blast from the past comes out of nowhere, man. A sixth grade teacher, my first class when I got to Pahrump, she had seen me in that class, mm -hmm. and her testimony today is that she knew something was different about me, and she'd been praying for me for 11 years. That is crazy. Hold on. Hold that thought. All right. Because we're going to be going to break in a couple seconds here, and we're going to continue with Max Ivy right when we get back from the break. Um, a lot of you guys have been following the Whosoever's Movement. Don't forget to go to thewhosoevers.com. We have all the past radio shows. I think we've been doing radio shows for over four years. Tons of guests. Um, all the subjects we hit on faith, depression, God's call. So many different subjects that would encourage you guys. We have products up there. Check it out, thewhosoevers.com. And we'll be back in two minutes right after the break. Peace. More of The Ryan Reese Show coming up. Post your questions at Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, and or Facebook. Now, back, back to The Ryan Reese Show. All right, we're back in studio, and I have Max Ivy in studio. He's, he's from uh, um, First... What, I forgot the name of the church. It's First Baptist. First Baptist Taft. Yeah. And we were up there last week. And uh, we had a great time up there, and we're gonna we're gonna talk more about that later on. But right before the break, he was just talking about how he grew up uh, here in Palmdale, was you know on the track team, doing good. I mean, you could say you're a popular kid in school, but you were you were scared at certain times, and one thing led to the next. Got into drugs and alcohol, yeah. moved to Pahrump, yeah. Nevada. That's where prostitution is actually legal over there, big time. And a lot of other crazy things that go on in that neighborhood. But from there, you got caught up. Yeah. Like a lot of people do. You start off good when you're young. High school hits, you get caught up. And then that led to all these things with armed robbery and guns and drugs. And now here you are locked up. You find God. You give your life to God. You get a... It's so funny. You were saying that right before the break. You said that you saw this little package. And it was all wrapped up. And you asked your neighbor, hey, man, what is that? He said, oh, you got to talk to the chaplain if you want that. You're like, yeah. chaplain? What the heck's a chaplain? Yep. Well... That led to you getting a Bible and a notepad and then reading through the Bible just from Genesis all the way across the Psalms. Yep. And that's, what you, that's when you uh, encountered God. Absolutely. Now, here you are in court. Yeah, dude. And so I'm in court, right? And I got this public defender, and he brings this piece of paper in. And the piece of paper is like a rule sheet for a men's discipleship training ministry. No gates, no guards, no fences. Number one rule, no cussing. Like, mm. number two rule, you know. Were you like, I don't know, man. I don't know about rule one. I, well, I'm like, I'm looking at it. I'm like, and I remember looking at my attorney like, is this a joke? 
like this is this is your grand scheme to get me to get me out and you're excited about it yeah you know yeah and he's like yeah and i'm like whatever dude and i was pissed man i was mad sitting in there waiting for the judge to call me up and it was the first time that i really saw god work on a man's mind and but i saw it work because this piece of paper was rooted in 12 years worth of prayer mm-hmm. from my oh, yeah. my sixth grade teacher yep. who knew something was different about me she's been praying about me now armed robberies don't happen in Pahrump, nevada all right so what i did was like super taboo it wasn't like there's a huge crime scene with people just running up in stores with guns. Right. Like, what I did was a big deal. Yeah. And so... It's a small town. Yeah, she knows about it, and she hits my mom up, and it turns out her husband from Tahiti found this track in a bush and in turn came to the United States to this men's discipleship training ministry. Right. And that's where this rule sheet came from. And she said, I felt like God told me to give this to you, to my mom. And my mom was like, I'll bring it down there. She's my biggest supporter. You know, and her and my dad today are my biggest supporters. Praise God. And uh, so, yeah, man, they brought that rule sheet in. I said, as long as I ain't got a snitch on nobody, I'll sign it. So I signed it. The judge looks at that piece of paper, looks at me, looks at that piece of paper, and he looks at me, and he says, son, I have no idea why I'm doing this, but I'm going to let you out. And I got released that day to Centrum Men's Discipleship Training Ministry, where I began, and the director didn't even know I was coming. He's like, who are you? And I'm like, dude, I just got out of, like, prison. You know, I'm like, they said I could come here. And he's like, news to me. Yeah, and so that's a trip, right? Yeah. And uh, I, they told me, you got to graduate this program without messing anything up. Yeah, you know what I did? Yeah. Dude, I lied and cheated my way through that whole program. It was a nightmare. I, for real. Yeah. But it was God's grace. Yeah. He was working with me uh-huh. in the process of sanctification. Yep. And his hand was over my life. And he was guiding me through my mess, through my madness, through my brokenness mm-hmm. to teach me about how good he is. And by his grace alone, I was able to graduate that program, which put that program on the map for the court system and the, the, uh, Parole and probation? Really? I added it to it? Yeah. No way. That's yeah. amazing. Yes way, dude. And uh, do you remember the guy and the girl that were doing worship? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Dude, I met him in a bar. And it, through meeting him that crazy night, I told him about the program in Pahrump, Nevada. Yep. Through that, he graduated the program, came to C- Calvary Bible Institute, and now he, by the call of God, He's reunited with us in Taft, California, yep. <laughs> and they head up our worship team. That's insane. And so that's the crazy stuff that's happening even today, where God's hand of sovereignty is just leading and guiding our lives as we just continue to be obedient to his call. I want you to break down um, sanctification for, for the listeners, what that is, because you said that was God's sanctification process. What is the sanctification process? For for me, the way that I understand the sanctification process and the way that I would explain it to somebody is like, look, man, there's you got a bunch of stuff that you've been taught, that you've learned, that's been ingrained in you deeply. You fall into these what's called ruts. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus comes in and he cleans house. But now through our lives, he wants to change us from who we were as he, he's filled us with his spirit. 
called us new, called us loved. But man, there are so many things that we need to unlearn, that we need to relearn, that we need to do correctly that, that God, the way that God says it. And through that sanctification process or being set apart for his use, he, he holds our hand through every step of the way. Because I'm not perfect. The dudes that roll down here with me aren't perfect. But the, the smoking falls off. The cussing falls off. The drinking becomes like God shows you in that process. It's not for you, son. Mm-hmm. And that falls off. You know, you know that the drugs and that stuff, that's got to go. Now, the way that, well, you're not sleeping with women anymore, just on a random basis. But now how do you view them? Mm-hmm. That's part of the sanctification process where God is just changing everything about the way that you see life and the way that you treat people. And I know it's a process that for myself is going to go on until the day I die. And people, don't get frustrated in the process. God does this process, and you just got to keep you just got to keep charging full full speed ahead. It's almost like a baby when they, they learn to walk. You know, like you have a little kid, and yeah. they, they're crawling, and they start to walk, and they, they get up, and they fall over. Well, I'm not like, to my son, I'm like, stupid kid. Right. Stand up. Right. Walk. I already set you up. Now walk. Now run. He falls over. I pick him up. I help him back up, and he gets back up. And that's what God does is he keeps teaching you. You're gonna First, you're going to learn how to crawl. In the walk with Christ, yeah. then you're gonna learn how to walk. You're gonna fall over. You're gonna get back up. Then you're gonna learn how to run. Then you're gonna learn how to skate. Get on a board. Get on a bike. You know what I mean? Like these are all the pro. This is the whole process of the yeah. sanctification is getting better at you know your Christian walk. Yeah. And God is there with you, and do not get frustrated. Well, you will get frustrated because you want to do good, but you keep messing up. But God's grace is there, and it's sufficient, and He loves you. And the enemy. Wants to discourage you. Yeah. And be like, you're not good enough. Right. You stink. Look at you. You're blowing it. Look what you did. You're cussing again. You're this. You're that. Oh, you you slip back. You watch pornography. Dude, God loves you. Yeah. He'll forgive you. And you keep pressing on. You keep pressing forward. You fall, but you get back up. And that's that's really, we just had a conversation about that at breakfast with a guy. You know, he's like, oh, I never prayed before. And I use that that aspect where it's like, yeah, my daughter don't walk so good either. But when she falls down, because of the the love that I have for her as a father, I don't laugh at her or I don't push her aside. And that's exactly how God was for me through the sanctification process. I knew deep down that regardless of the mistakes and the sin that I still fall into, his love and his goodness leads me through that and so it's not the mistakes that define me anymore but the choices that I make moving forward that say you know what God I recognize that I still do fall on a daily basis but you hold my hand through it until I can get past that and the thing is yes and the thing is you don't make a practice of sinning no you know what I'm saying like if you're getting convicted and you're like man dude I I stink and I need it I got to stop this. That's good. Right. That's good. That means that you're not making a practice of it. But when you continue to say, oh, I call it the cheap grace thing. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, God, forgive me. And you just keep doing the same thing every night or every day. And just, oh, forgive me, forgive me. That's that cheap grace we're talking about. The real grace where you're trying 
the sanctification process, it's it's the process that God transforms you, yeah. makes you into a new creation in Christ. So God started transforming you. Yep. He did it. He's doing it. He continues to do it. Yes. And um, now you're here. You're up in Taft, California. You're oh tell 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 people how you got connected to the to Taft anyway. All right, so Taft, California. We, I'm sorry, because I jumped ahead. You're, you're at the Bible College. I'm, I'm kicking it in uh, Joshua Springs, Yucca Valley area in California. Yep. And, uh, you know, at one point in time, we had started a men's home from the ground up called NCIC2, New Creations in Christ, mm-hmm. where we're trying to give back to men the same way. And so I am graduated Bible College. I'm teaching at JS some nights on Sundays. I'm overseeing uh, the thrift store and, you know, just living life moving around, checking things out, doing, doing ministry. And, uh, so now I'm back at the men's home and they get this crazy phone call from this group called transformation ministries. And TM wants my buddy Monty to come help this church that's falling apart. And in the process, he said, Hey, will you come assist me up there? And I said, yeah. And so we went to a little church in Morongo Valley and we served there for one year and dude, you know, TM just, uh, kind of fell in love with them guys and they got to know who I was. And a year later, you know, they got a phone call from Taft, California and said, Hey, there's a first Baptist church out there needs a pastor. Would you be willing to go check it out? And I was like, Taft, what, where's that at? You know? And I went out, my mom happened to be in town and I was like, Hey mom, I just got this crazy call from Taft. And she's like, no, like, don't go. Your sister tried to go to college there. No. Yeah. And I remember, like, I remember looking at her thinking, or like, thinking, like, Mom, you, you do not savor the things that be of God. You know what I mean? And, and, like, so we're laughing, you know, and I Googled it, and I just prayed. And it took a big work of God's spirit in my wife's heart and mind. We had just moved into a new house again. You know, we're not paying rent. Everything that I need is, I'm set. Yeah. Everything's like, good. Yeah, really good. And then they're like, hey, will you move? And I'm like, dang. Well, we'll go check it out. And that's what we did. So we drove up for a candidate weekend. But it's a Baptist church. They're not even Baptist. I know. I, I know. <laughs> yeah, praise God, right? <laughs> and so that's what happened. And we went up there. And I, I met the, the leadership team that has been helping through this transition, trying to find a new pastor. Mm-hmm. And... Man, just kind of fell in love with them guys. They fell in love with me. Uh, we all said yes and amen. Yep. And within three weeks of saying yes, we packed up. These dudes drove down four hours with their trucks and trailers, paid for their own gas, their own meals, everything. Have packed up my house and moved me into the one place that I could find a rent. And that's where we're living now, serving at this church, four months deep, and... uh. I'm still learning about that. I, I I love my favorite part is the fact that you're just like we they're like we need a pastor up and t- or we need a, a Baptist you know at the Baptist yeah. church and you're like I'm not I'm not, I'm not Baptist dude. not even Baptist so what let's go yeah that's what's up it's yeah. not about it. dude it's about Jesus Christ amen it's about God and it's about His Word and that's that's what that's what I love about the simplicity of the whosoever it's just like whosoever we don't get caught up yeah. in all the titles it's about a relationship with the King. And that's that's it, and it's so awesome. And we were there last you week, were. and that church is awesome. Yeah, and the staff's awesome, and everyone we met was amazing. So what's what's going on up there, Matt? Big things. 
I mean, it like some big things. Um, the church is growing phenomenally. You know, people are showing up out of the woodworks. They coming to hear about Jesus yep. and him high and lifted up. Yep. And as we preach the gospel, the Holy Spirit is drawing men to himself. Yep. And um, our town has been rocked by coronavirus. Uh, it's been rocked by suicide and depression and hopelessness and all of these things that people are facing everywhere. And the one thing that I've personally made it my primary goal is to meet people right where they're at Mm -hmm. and to look them in the face and tell them you're not alone. And if you're listening tonight on this radio station and you're feeling that um, burnt out, tired, afraid, trust me, you're not alone. There are other people in the body of Christ that are praying for you, that love you, and there's a, a church somewhere for you where you can get linked up with like-minded people yep. that are going to help carry you through this process. And that's what we're doing in Taft. And the town is on board. The police chief is on board. Everybody's on board. Um, our community was rocked by a suicide. 13-year-old Jason Sheldon. Mm-hmm. And Sheldon family, we love you guys, man. And we had another... Uh, I want to say what's up to my buddy, Nate. I know he's listening now on his ride home. And and these people, their hearts are broken. They're going through things. And I said one prayer, and God, I was at the Sheldon's house that afternoon. And after I met with the parents and I hugged the prison guard dad mm-hmm. and told him that's the only time I've ever hugged a prison guard, you know? <laughs> right. yeah, like, yeah. even in that, God's breaking down walls. Yeah. And um, yep. I went home that day, and Dude, the only thing that was on my heart and my mind was Ryan Reese, Ryan Reese, Ryan Reese. And I'm like, okay, God, like, I know your dad, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, dude, I, I made a call to Lucas Salazar. And I said, hey, man, I need you guys to come down. We got big things happening out here. People are, like, hurting, yeah. depressed, lost, mm-hmm. alone. And Lucas is like, dude, we got a cancellation November 20 to the 22nd. It'll be sunny and Ryan. And, dude, you guys showed up. But it wasn't just Sonny and Ryan. Uh-uh. <laughs> it was like, you know, one of the things that you said to me is like, this is the biggest grouping of ambassadors that we've had for such a small event. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff that's happening in Taft. Like, people are showing up mm-hmm. to hear the gospel, and it's not just like it's going in one ear and out the other. No, it's not. People are receiving yep. the truth of the engrafted word of God. The fact that Jesus Christ is alive, that he does have a purpose and a plan, regardless of red, blue, rona, purple tier, black tier, blue tier, whatever yep. color the rainbow spectrum tier we're on these days. Yep. God has a plan, and it's for you to not be alone. Jesus himself said that, lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. He said that I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. And that's the hope that we have in Christ. And that's what I hold on to in Taft. That's what I hold on to in my own life. And this is the message that we're preaching at FBC. You're not alone. God is good. And he's still alive. This is true. And we've seen that when we were there. And it was, it was really cool. Like when we came to speak at your church, you, you opened up on the third service or second service. And you're like, hey, you know, because was, that was the community that we invited from after the outreach to come to this church yeah. service. After the outreach, brought everyone into the second service. And you were like, hey, you know, I'm here Monday through Thursday from this time to this time. On Sundays, this time to this time. If you need someone just to come and cry with, I'll be that guy. 
I'll be here. You can contact. I'm very accessible. And you just laid it all out, and it was just really cool. And that's exactly uh, what you're doing. We have a, we have a few minutes left. Um, I do. I'm gonna throw the number out. If you guys want to talk to Max and you have a question, maybe you want him to pray with you or whatever it is, call in right now at triple eight five six four six one seven three. Triple eight five six four six one seven three. Um, why don't you share some stories about what happened when we were up there? Like, what, what's the aftermath stuff, dude? So the, so the big. I mean, the whole Sheldon family was at church on that Sunday, and praise God for that. Love you guys, and uh, also, man, there was this girl on Sunday night after you guys left, mm-hmm. and she received a healing in her knees. Mm-hmm. And when she went back home, she she was geared up for this one time where, like, this the pain always happens. And she's had this pain for so long that she knew it was about to come. And so her sibling is in the room, and she goes to stand up, and the pain never comes. And she screams. And the sibling's like, freaked out, what, are you okay? And she's like, she said that she yelled out, <laughs> it's the grace of God. No way. Yeah. And I'm telling you, this person two weeks prior to that? Yeah. That is not something that you would have heard from her. But from Friday until Sunday afternoon, coming out of her mouth is it's the grace of God. Unbelievable. And then she's chucking rocks off her neck that she used to use for witchcraft. Uh-huh. She's uh-huh. set free. Yep. And now she's asking me like legitimate questions about identity, mm-hmm. about all kinds of stuff. And we're partnering with her in the youth group and the program yep. to put other young ladies and um, our female youth pastor assistant lady to come right alongside her, man. And she's doing it. She's showing up. And this is just one of the stories. Yeah. You know, we had one of the local pro skater guys come out. He was at breakfast with us this morning. Yeah. And he's just super excited about being at church tomorrow. Is that crazy? Yeah. That's what God does. dude. When, when, When Jesus comes to town, everyone just starts talking and just wants to get in on it. Yeah. And that's what I'm seeing in, in Taft. We got to figure out how we could come back and even do even because it seems like for me when I go to Taft and especially all the doors and the connections that you guys have in that yeah. little small town, you could do something bigger, yeah, and, and reach even more of the community, like a bigger because we just hit the skate park, you know what right. I'm saying? And dude, it was packed. Yeah, I mean we had a lot of, I mean there was like parents, all kinds of people. That, I mean the party was popping for sure, but imagine with the connections that you have and how the city and the, the police and everyone are working with you, I think there could be something that we can do. You guys are like two hours away. It's like, yeah, we got stage, we got sound, we got bands. Well, we, we got. I, I already met with somebody. Did you? Yeah, you just don't know about it yet. Okay. Yeah. All right. So every five years in Taft, there's this thing called Oil Dorado. Oh, that's right. It got postponed this year. Mm-hmm. So it's coming back next year. Mm-hmm. And I just met with the Christian like there's a Christian, there's Christian Day, mm-hmm. like where they ha- they've had you know like Matthew West or um, some other you know big name Christian guys come out yeah. for a concert, and uh, so I already hit her up. And I was like, hey, I know this group of guys. What's up? We gotta and do something. We're in the okay. we're in the planning process, dude. I just need some permission from you. Yeah. Well, let's talk. There's yeah. definitely opportunity up there, and uh, I could see God's doing something. Yeah. We'd love to be a part of it. That is epic. And, you know, we talked about this before, but my, my great-grandfather was actually a pastor of a four-square church in Taft. Yeah. So it's so funny that 
here we are going back. There's some legacy there. So I'm excited to see what God's going to do there. We're in. I'm excited, too. We are too. in. We will drive the Scooby-Doo mobile up there. Do it. <laughs> All right, I think we have a couple minutes left. Let me see. Can't hear the mic. We got three minutes left. All right. Any last words you want to share with anyone that's listening right now? What about people that maybe want to come to Jesus? What do you got to say? It's Today's the day. And it's as simple as just saying yes in your heart that God is real and that he, he's reaching out to you from heaven. This is the purpose of the Holy Spirit, that he would show you that God is alive and that you're loved. Regardless of how you feel about yourself, God sees you differently. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. And it's as simple as just saying, God, I don't understand everything about you. And I'm messed up, but I want to know. Would you help me to know you, God? I didn't have anybody to lead me in a prayer. I didn't have a, a church service. All I did is I put my hands up to heaven and I said, God, will you help me? And he's been helping me ever since. And he showed me that the way to come to him is through Jesus by just simply believing in my heart that Jesus Christ is real, that he died on the cross, that God has raised him from the dead, and to believe in my heart that if I cry out to him, he's able to save to the uttermost everyone who would come to him. And it's as simple as just calling out. Say, Jesus, yeah. forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. You could say that right now. Amen. If you believe in your heart that he is the Son of God, he will come in. He will fill you. He will forgive you. And get a Bible. Get that Bible and start reading it. It will come alive. And it will speak to you. And get plugged into a church. Yeah. Like Max said earlier, there's a church for you. There's a church and there's people that God already has all set up for you. You just got to ask him to, to lead you there and uh, get plugged in. And you got to have that fellowship. And you know what? L.A. County might be shut down. Stay home, stay safe, or whatever they want to call it for uh, three weeks. But churches are open. Come to Taft. Come <laughs> Two hours away. Yeah, we're right there. Exactly. It's a lot different up there. <laughs> a lot more open. We had a great time. Yeah. Well, hey, you guys, stay plugged in to the uh, the Whosoever's Movement. Remember, don't... Um, don't forget to go to the website. We got tons of radio shows uh, you can watch, you can listen to. This show will be uploaded on our app and our website uh, come Monday, so you could share this with someone that needs to hear it. You know, you were you were actually suicidal. Uh, you didn't talk about that. Oh yeah, yeah. In the desert, you were cut cut your wrist yeah. and the whole thing. So he's been there, he's done that, and God has transformed. It's never too late. You're never too far gone. God loves you, and He wants to encounter you today. Hey, thanks for being on the radio show. Thank you. Thank you guys for coming out. And uh, we got to definitely get it going again. For sure. Soon. Yep. When's that When's that uh, event? It's El Dorado's in October. Okay. Next year. Yep. So we'll see, what, uh, we'll see what's going to happen by then. Yeah. See what's going on with everything. Crazy time we're living in. Yeah. Crazy time, but it's exciting. You know, because I'm, 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 I'm staying with my dad right now and just been talking about all the end time stuff. He's like, man, we didn't think we were going to see it like this. Right. But that's a whole nother radio show. So we'll talk to you guys next Saturday. Peace.
This has been The Ryan Reese Show. To connect and find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday for The Ryan Reese Show.